It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Eric, I'm so excited for the students arriving on this campus in just about a week for our summer semester. And one of the things that we have planned is that we're moving into a brand new season of Daily Thunder. And we're basically going back to our old model, at least for the summer season, where you'll be taking Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, I'll be doing Tuesdays and Thursdays and walking through a series. So for your Monday, Wednesday, Friday series, do you want to quickly just kind of give a teaser of the series that is to come this summer? Yeah, and we're going to be back on the stage in the chapel doing it. That's going to be fun uh, for us because there is certain a certain energy that comes. Like you and I really enjoy this chair thing, you know, where we're talking. Uh, but I think being on the stage with that audience is probably our favorite mode uh, to be in. And so my series this summer, whether it's going to be a 20 or a 21 part, we still need to figure out because there's a day I may be traveling, right? So we, we need to land that. But it's somewhere in that zone. Uh, and it's going to be on spiritual lessons from Alfred the Great. And so we're going to be going back to the year roughly around 871 AD. And we're going to enter into a very, very dark time on the island of Britannia, which we know now as Great Britain. And so after last year, 93 episodes on spiritual lessons from World War II, it's interesting to once again return to this continent because my my focus last uh, in that study was Winston Churchill and his memoirs was sort of a uh, timeline that I, I built it from. And this has been deeply stirring to me because at that time, uh, there was this Christian island that we know as Great Britain. It's sometimes hard to refer to it in a different way, but and it was divided. It was separated out. So you have all these Christian nations, if you will, that make it up, but they were not in agreement. And they were fighting uh, with each other. And even within the nations, they were fighting for who should be in control. And boy, even when I was first reading that, it sounded like the church uh, in America and around the world right now, where we're not working together. And as a result, they were very vulnerable to a Viking invasion. And that's what's going to happen. And there's going to be one man that even after it looks like it's a done deal and the Vikings now have this island in totality and, he, and Alfred is in hiding, he is going to turn the tables on everything and he is going to heed uh, the word of scripture and he is going to marshal a response to this darkness that, you know, the the British still look back on this day and they call him. Alfred the Great. And there's a reason. There's the only king in British history ever with that uh, moniker, uh, the Great, after it. And there's a reason for it. And it truly is remarkable. And I think it's going to be very apropos and applicable to our times as Christians. Well, I'm very excited to get into that. And all that starts on June 14th. So we have one more week of doing in-studio Daily Thunders. And then the week after that, we'll be back in the chapel. But for those of us, for those who are listening who love this model, uh, this isn't going away either. We're going to be doing some of this kind of sp- scattered throughout and there'll be some fun things uh, to come in this new season of, of Daily Thunder. I'm very excited. 
Uh, Eric, this week we've been talking about your archive message, the the classic blanket carriers message. Mm-hmm. And this particular episode may have one of the best titles oh, yeah. uh, we have, we've had thus far. I'm brilliant, guess, brilliant title. My guess is there are people who are listening just for the title, uh, wondering <laughs> what on earth are they going to talk about? Uh, so the title is Dealing with the Naked Man. Oh, yeah. So Who wouldn't want to know how to deal with the naked man? <laughs> I don't think I want to now. Um, could you could you even explain the title and, and even the idea of the blanket carriers? Because yes. we're going to be dealing with this idea in terms of just relationally. It comes out of one of the, the awkward stories in scripture about Noah getting drunk and then being naked in his tent. <laughs> and then, which, which we're not recommending or no, supporting. Just we're for not endorsing sake. this behavior. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the scriptures endorse <laughs> it either. But Noah had three sons, uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is going to respond to what he sees. He's going to discover a weakness in his father. And how he handles that becomes very, very significant in the outflow of Scripture, even the lineage of Ham. And you're going to see a different response from Shem and Japheth. And that God is going to go out of his way to clarify that's the right response. And so when there is weakness, we're actually seeing a modeling of how you handle it. And what you're going to see with Ham is he's going to expose the weakness. He's going to verbally begin to pass around the weakness of his father. Shem and Japheth are going to actually do something very different. They're going to walk and approach it backwards with a blanket on their shoulders, and they're going to cover their father. And so that's where the term the blanket carriers comes. That's that's like how we function as Christians. And in a sense, that's how Christ functioned when he came to this earth. He came to cover our nakedness. And so even though we're fully clothed, we are naked spiritually. Before the throne of, of God, we have nothing, no, no righteousness to boast of. And so as a result, our own righteousness is this filthy rags. It, it is not clothing for us. And so and in a sense, we're exposed. And Jesus is going to come and he is going to backwards approach the cross and he is going to bleed out his life and knit together clothing for us. It's it's pretty remarkable. He's going to cover us. It's called atonement. And he is going to cover our sins. He's going to purge them and wash them. It's an amazing picture. But that is a behavior of Christ that we're going to see first modeled in Shem, who is the ancient descendant of Jesus, but as a pattern for how that descendancy, those in the lineage of Christ are supposed to behave. So what we're really dealing with is how do we take that concept then of carrying a blanket backwards over nakedness? <clears throat> how do we do that with other people? Because all of us have people in our lives where we see weakness, we see problem, we see concern. Mm-hmm. And I think our natural tendency is to exploit it, mm-hmm. uh, to highlight it, to mm-hmm. gossip about it, to trumpet it to those around mm-hmm. us, to basically diminish the individual. Mm-hmm. So how do we as Christians then carry a blanket in the relationships that we have or the people that we know around us who may be walking through a season of weakness or just have weakness? Mm-hmm. Uh, any any thoughts for us to begin to chew on? Well, there's one statement that says, he who is forgiven much loves much. And I think when we fail to remember our own weakness and our need for covering, that we've all been in the tents and you know, sort of in a similar situation and in need of a savior, someone of the lineage of Shem to back up and cover us. When you remember that, it gives you a certain deference, mercy, kindness, and respect 
and honor towards those in a similar situation. And that's what we're supposed to work out of as Christians. We're supposed to work out of that well of love. We love much. Why? Because we've been forgiven much. We've been covered much. And as a result, in those moments, when you expose, when you pull a ham, uh, what you're doing is the, the principle of gossip is based on the premise of show someone else's weaknesses, show someone else's failures, and it, what it does is it props you up higher. It's a false sense of elevation for you because technically you're no different than them, right? You still need a savior too. But gossip is a very, very dangerous thing for the soul because it even cons your soul into thinking that you're superior. And so by by proclaiming the weaknesses of others, you are actually making yourself feel smug and self-righteous. And it's very easy to do in the church of Jesus Christ. It's very easy to do. It's like, oh, I, I love this person, but... And then you need to share something about them. I love them. And maybe we should be praying for them, right? But you need to then go off and herald all the things about them. It's sort of like saying, yeah, we probably should go in and cover them. But in the meantime, I just want you to know that Noah's naked. And as a result, you're exposing the nakedness. And that's the problem with Ham's response is he is responding in a sense as the flesh would respond in all of us. And then what you're going to see with Shem and Japheth is they're going to respond in a almost like a supernatural manner. They're going to honor the one who, in that sense, you're like, he doesn't deserve honor. Look, if someone's in that situation, why wouldn't you trumpet it? But Jesus could trumpet all our errors all the time. We, If we function that way in the church, we blow up relationships, we blow up intimacy, we, dis- we destroy people. One of the principles of parenting is, is a fascinating statement, but when you're correcting your children, you only... And if you could use this word, shame them, (laughs) correct them, work them through a certain degree of pain and conviction over their sin to the degree that is necessary to correct them. You don't need to go beyond that. So if they're already hitting themselves for what they've done, you don't need to add one more punch to the nose. If if they are already self-correcting, saying, "I, I really blew it, and they're humble, well, then to the degree that is necessary to set them in order and to make them know that they're forgiven and they're cleansed and they're washed and they're ready to now take another step. That's all I do as a parent is to make sure that they are in good standing uh, before God. And so correction is supposed to parental correction because I love my children. I'm going to bring them to that place. And if they are arrogant, self-justifying, then there's a greater discipline that is necessary. And the same is true with with us and others. We want to only address the weakness in others to the point of restoring them, to helping them, not to harming them. And that's where Ham is going to harm. Shem and Japheth are going to help. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that when we take that position, it demands humility and what I've noticed too is that it's interesting that God often uses those experiences to bring a great work in sanctification in our own lives. In other words, it's as we're working through someone else's weakness that's mm-hmm. often uh, dealing with the selfishness of my own life. In other words, your weakness is pressing against my own well, comfort. Wait, 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 my weakness. It's, a, it's, a, it's an example. <laughs> hypothetical. It's not even real. Does Eric have weakness? <laughs> no. Um, but hypothetically, if you did, right? You're, <laughs> this is so bad. Uh, but, but in other words, that pushes pressure on yeah. my own comforts and my own selfishness, which actually means I then have the opportunity to respond in humility. Yes. But God is going to use that as a sanctifying work 
use your weakness hypothetically as a <laughs> sanctifying work in my life, which is actually what I need. Isn't that true? Yes. Uh, and, that, and that is, that's so important. And yeah. it's interesting how insidious or how, how easy it is to fall into that, to almost spiritualize yeah. your self-justification or to spiritualize that, well, I just want to talk about it. And I think the classic yeah. example is, um, you know, we really need to pray for so-and-so. And so you yeah. pray and then you actually, in the prayer, yeah. expose all the junk. And yeah. it's like, that's actually, you're actually not helping the situation. Mm-hmm. You're actually doing a ham response yeah, that's right. Uh, so that you can get the attention. Uh, maybe just even in closing for this episode, could you even give us like maybe a practical point mm-hmm. of, all right, I'm, I'm seeing weakness in the people around me. What do I do? In other words, how do I, how do I properly respond? I understand we don't want to just expose and trumpet that and just, you know, show that off to the world. How do, how do we help cover the nakedness of the people around us? Yeah, there's, there seems to be two hands to this. One hand is the one that is truth. And the other hand is going to be grace. And both need to be working together. If you really want to, you know, carry that blanket and put it on, you don't lose the truth hand. In other words, when I'm in a situation with someone in my life, whether it's one of my children or one of my uh, students, I don't overlook weakness that God shows me in them. But the way I handle it isn't always going to be just truth. It needs to be mixed. It needs to have that accompanying or or balancing dimension to it that brings about the full picture of Jesus who did all that he did in grace and in truth. When the Holy Spirit convicts me, he doesn't just berate me. He doesn't just say, you are wrong, Eric. He actually is working with grace to restore me, to heal me, to correct me, to do what it takes to make a right relationship. And so the same is true for us. There's there's certain people, and many of we've been around them, that are very skilled in seeing what's wrong, what's wrong in the church, what's wrong in the world, what's wrong in you. <laughs> there's lots. And yeah. There is lots. I do know. Yeah, we're we're not we're trying. We just happen to be the there only. Are, yeah, hypothetically, there is a lot in my life. Yes, yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, so what we want to be is like the Holy Spirit, where. The Holy Spirit's goal is redemptive love. It's to create greater strength. And so to actually evaluate that, sometimes we err on the side of having so much redemptive love that we lack the truth. It's it's a funny problem, but it's like, hey, let's just open the doors of our church and just let all these people in and just let them know that God loves them. We don't want to make them feel condemned. That's that's our, our statement. And it's true. We don't want to make anyone feel condemned, but they might need to be convicted. And conviction is what the Holy Spirit does. He doesn't just love us. He corrects us, convicts us because he loves us. The two always work together. And I think for us, we're not always in a position to give the correction. And so some of us just might need to spend the time in the covering, but how do we do that? When we see weakness in others, the first thing needs to always be to pray, to not move past that, to start being a ham and talking about it and getting our, you know, loudspeaker and, you know, and here's what's going on. Here's the weakness I see in this person, but to actually take that, what we have seen, what the spirit of God has allowed us to see and immediately transfer that into a constructive prayer for their help. And this is going to happen in almost every day of our lives where we're going to see weakness in others. And the tendency is to complain about it, to get frustrated with it, to expose it instead of 
praying about it. And so in every situation, this is a principle in marriage. You know, if you see a weakness in your spouse, pray about it. Don't, you don't even always have to bring it to them. Pray about it. It's actually the wisest thing you could ever do. And it's part of that Shem and Japheth response to honor them by saying, God, give me your love for that person. Not just the truth for that person, but your love, your grace, your mercy, and your kindness for that person. That I would be balanced in my approach and not just love the truth, but also love the sinner. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.